Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. Hello, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndre, here with Bill Goldberg. What's up, big guy? Where do I begin? Oh, <clears throat> Uh, Monday Night Raw has happened. Bobby Lashley's got shit to say. He's calling you Unbelievable, out. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable, right? You know, I mean, if the guy's going to steal my moves, he might as well perfect them before he does it in front of millions <laughs> of people on television. Oh, right on. Uh, we've got uh, we've got our good friends from Jegs over here. We got Troy Coughlin Jr. We've got my good friend uh, Scott Woodruff, known as Woody. You've seen him around the track uh, for years and years and years. A fixture there, kind of runs the motorsports program, and I'm sure many, many, many other hats he's worn over the years and continues to do. Uh, we were just. Uh, uh, scratching the surface here on uh, on Bill getting back into the ring is kind of a big deal here. We got the WWE SummerSlam coming up in a few weeks, three or so weeks, less than a month. In Las Vegas, it's going to be a huge event in front of a live audience as long as the, uh, everybody plays nice and does what they're supposed to do between now and, and there. We never know the government's rules, but now that the cat's out of the bag and he debuted, uh, uh, this is a... This is, by the way, this is a power match. So this is these are two big guys. These this isn't uh, you know Rey Mysterio flying through the air like a bug and you trying to swat him out of the air like a fly. This is two big dudes. Uh, this is a stronghold match. Are you? Are you? Are what do you? How do you feel about? I'm it? thinking Godzilla versus like the the geriatric King Kong. <laughs> well, um, I, I think Godzilla is the old one now. I don't know. Yeah, you know, who knows? They, the, the fact is there will not be much, uh, uh, not, not a lot of technique, not a lot of uh, <laughs> uh, aerial moves, I would think. Uh, you know, it's just two big monsters doing the old school, telling the story in a wrestling ring. You know, um, good versus evil at this point in my career, and I keep coming back, you know, sparingly. I don't know who's good versus evil. I guess we're both evil on this one, but... Um, you know, hey, man, like I said, the guy's been, been spearing people for 10 years, you know, trying to copy my move. Now, the other night, he does the jackhammer on TV. Um, I just don't understand why these guys make me come out of retirement to teach them a little respect. <laughs> so this time they gave me eight weeks. So Lastly's the... Uh, going to be pissed off about that one because i'll be doubly ready this time yeah well, last time they i'm called actually them. looking forward to it man you know i've been we've talked in the past and it's been like drudgery and i've been bitching and moaning all the time and i'm still bitching and moaning but i got a smile on my face because i know that i'm more prepared than i was last time does uh does wanda or gage make fun of you and be like oh it's a good thing you're going back in the ring you haven't lifted a weight in four months <laughs> Yeah, no, not really. Uh, no, they, that's good. They're they're sick of me being sweaty twenty four hours a day. Yeah, well, I, I training in the morning or at night. So. I I know you get laser focused. Actually, uh, you, you guys don't know the name, but Barry is uh, is Goldberg's longtime agent. Really nice guy, and and I was talking to him recently as well, and. Uh, He's like, yeah, yeah, Bill's not going to be in this meeting. You know how he gets. He's laser-focused. He's got to get in the ring. The last time he got called in to to wrestle, by the way, it was about, I don't know, 
four days. It, it was they gave you like forty eight hours notice to make an appearance on a Monday Night Raw, Ugh. and then a week to like get ready and go into the ring. And it's just you know a little little peek behind the window of you know behind the you know sort of the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> it's it's you get a text from someone like Vince McMahon in the middle of the night going, "Hey, we need you on Monday," and you're like, "It's Friday night." They're like, "Yeah." You're going to fly to Orlando on Monday. You're going to get in the ring, and then you better get in shape. You've got yeah, just, seven days. Just get the ice in the Ben Gay. Just get the ice in the Ben Gay ready. That's right. You've, you've got yeah. seven days. So at least now, giving you seven or eight weeks, it, it helps a, a little bit, right? I would say it helps exponentially. There's no question about that. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it. It's like putting you know time in the track and being able to test, actually, before you have to go out and race. So. So, but here's the thing is, is I've got this image in my head because you're building the super garage and that's going to have the gym in it, but you're on a ranch in the middle of nowhere. Is you're training like Rocky four style or are you just like lifting, like tug of war with a, with a buffalo and running around chasing chickens and <laughs> pulling trains. Yeah. Just pulling a train and, you know, just like, just are you just, are you, I'm sure you found a gym, but in my head, I'm like, no, no, no. He's doing this ranch style. I am. Up I'm trees. doing it ranch style. There's no doubt about it. Are you really? Every day when I you know leave here early, I take Gage to go train. Right. So now when I take him to train in the mornings, I train with him. So that's my first workout session of the day, and then I come back and I'll eat a couple hundred thousand calories of food, and then <laughs> you know prepare for my uh, ten o'clock training at night. But yes, during the day, uh, the the Longhorns and I do some wrestling and. You know, <laughs> I threw the donkey yesterday to try to make sure that I, you know, had the power in my shoulders to still do it. But yeah, I mean, the llamas and I, you know, go for it. <laughs> I do some ramming with the with the sheep and the bit longhorn. Yeah, yeah. I, I try to do as much as I can. You know me, man. I'm a perfectionist. You sound like you're prepared to me. <laughs> that sounds like you're prepared. Yeah. There's going to be a YouTube video out of Goldberg's new workout regimen, donkey tossing. Donkey tossing. <laughs> That sounds like some weird Mexican show. You know, I'll be doing it right on the right on the slab. Uh, All right. Well, it's always uh, fun to kind of you know we do the show every week, but we don't get to get into some of the uh, the wrestling prep. I listen. I I'm pretty sure I'm coming out to SummerSlam. I was talking to the guys at WWE. We're trying to do something with them, and of. Being a fan of wrestling, I went as a kid, and I did get an opportunity to see. Guys like Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Andre the Giant. And then I uh, hadn't gone in a while. I, except a few years ago, there was a WrestleMania at Levi Stadium in, in San Jose. And uh, through my friend Maria Menunos, I think you know Maria, and she did some wrestling and stuff. And, and we went and got the nice little skybox up there. And... Yeah, got to see some of the modern day wrestlers, and uh, although The Rock was already a big star, he he came out and made a big fuss, and you know, smelled what The Rock is cooking. The fan goes nuts, and uh, and then he leaves, and I don't know, he gets paid probably a million dollars to do that just to come exactly. in and, and get the rah rah going. But just because of the stint that you had there, and then where you are now, I had not, I have not had a chance to see you live in the ring. So what I'm saying is, is don't get nervous. I'll be there. Don't no fuck pressure. it up. Yeah. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> I mean, he's your number. Matt's your number one fan. He's got this. I, you know what? You know he can have the number one out there. That's right. Deal. You know what's funny is, is uh, 
you know, you you had a hiatus of about, I don't know, 11 or 12 years. And when you do the math on it, yeah. Wanda, his wife and his son, Gage, had not seen him wrestle live up until your comeback a couple of years ago. So the first, I don't know, 10 years of Gage's life, known as dad as a professional wrestler, never saw his dad wrestle and then ended up going and then of course gage is in the ring and he's standing in the corner and he's got a pop i was like what the hell this is the best thing ever <laughs> yeah so he had a good time and of course that's why he came back man and, and i see uh uh i see you know wanda crying i never see her cry but she's cheering up going oh this is the best day ever and uh so a great event and uh so although i've never seen you wrestle uh I was at your house and I got to wear the WWE Championship belt. Ooh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, that's the one you jammed the stone out of, and then the, later they gave you the, <laughs> the belt. Eh, yeah. It's a prop. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was. It was. It was a prop. Uh, all right. So we're going to get into some Jag drag racing. We're going to get into uh, what's going on with Jags. Before we get into that, let me tell you guys about our friends at Geico. You guys uh, may own your home or you rent your home, and either way, it can be a lot of hard work. But you know, it's easy. Bundling your policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And that's a good thing because you already have so much to do around your home already. So just go to GEICO.com and get a quote and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. All right, Troy. How are you, buddy? <laughs> good, good. Just hanging out, taking it all in, man. This is cool. <laughs> yeah, we got a little bit of got a little bit of wrestling background, a little wrestling recap. As uh, I'm in. We're, put me in, and, uh, tag him in. He's in. He's in. He's ready to go. Uh, but talking about uh, doing some nutty stuff, uh, you're in the pro stock car. You're running, but you've been driving for quite some time now as well. When did you start getting into racing? It sounded like you didn't have a choice because of this family you were born into. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's definitely um, – it's just a part of the deal. But, you know, I, it's the time of my life every time I'm out there. But I was about seven in a junior dragster and then uh, was about 16, 17, getting into a super comp dragster, competing at some of the bracket races. And it's uh, – competition is absolutely addicting, so – I can't stop. Yeah. Now that, uh, let's say, Jeggy has retired, essentially, what's he doing now? He's just, just I, he's, bored? He's at home bracket racing and uh, working the, the family company at Jeg's mail order and yeah. putting a lot of time into that and uh, his daughter Carly and wife Samantha. So he's spending some more time at home and uh, watching, but he's uh, far from retired. He's he's always going to be in a race. He's always going to be driving, right? He's always going to be racing. Does everyone have to do a stint in a race car or a stint at the company? Is it like being in the military overseas? You're like, that's it. When everyone's <laughs> eighteen, you got to do two years at Jegs. You got to do two like years of customer service at Jegs.com, right? Yeah, and then and then you could do what you want after that. <laughs> oh, geez, uh, it, it's it's always been a choice, but I've always just followed my dad, uh, Troy Senior, and his brothers and and his father and. I don't really know any different. You know, I was one of the younger, one of the older grandkids, so to speak. So I just followed in the footsteps and, and really found a lot of joy doing it. Who's the fastest Coughlin? Me. <laughs> okay, good answer. 
<laughs> Does everyone else agree? Uh, mathematically, they there's no argument. There's really. no I'm, argument. You're, I've been 329 miles an hour, and I think my dad's been 270 and change. Okay, but he was in a door slammer. So, and your dad and your grandfather was what like like two. I think they were going 250s to 260s back in the late 70s in the top fuel cars. Yeah, yeah let's talk about Grandpa Jag Senior, founder of the company. Was he racing first and then got into this and got into the the parts business? Well, he he's always told me that through high school he's he's always worked on vehicles. It started with a Cushman scooter. He took one apart and off he went. But he was always kind of tinkering with cars and drag racing on airport runways, and uh, then started Jake's High Performance, a little equipment shed off Highway seventy one in Columbus, and. Here we are. That was what? Maybe around 1960? Somewhere, yes, somewhere 1960 around that? 1960? First year of business. So he opens up Jeg's Performance, a, a, a speed shop, uh, you know, and I don't know what's what's in there at that point, just Edelbrock stuff, right? Because Edelbrock's the only other Holly. <laughs> Maybe some Isky yeah, cams. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> like, there's like an Isky cam, a couple of Holly intake manifolds, probably for a flathead, yep. and, uh, and, and a Holly carburetor, and probably, you know, and, and that was it. And then from there, I don't know, like, when did drag racing really start to pick up? Because I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like the early like Vic Sr., Edelbrock Sr. stuff, those guys were kind of into the land speed stuff, yep. right? They were going for for mile an hour. But they were doing for – they were going for top speeds in a Everywhere. flathead roadster, right? right so, talk about a, a different level of danger, right? You know, I don't – listen, I've been in those cars now, and I don't want to do 70 miles an hour. now. I couldn't imagine even doing 110 miles an hour in one of those things. So <laughs> White what, knuckle. Yeah, right. It's just be kind of uh, kind of nutty. So, I guess when did when did drag racing really start to pick up? Oh, in, in my opinion, I I would think like the mid to late sixties. I'd like to think it really took off. They had major broadcast. Um, gosh, you know, with Snake and Mongoose and and Garlets and those names being as big as they still are, mm-hmm. you'd, you'd like to think the sixties and seventies were. A pretty good time for for NHRA and drag racing to really take off into a, a bigger light. And when did uh, when did your when did your grandfather start racing? I want to say about that time when he opened Jags. I think when he, he opened was, the Jags, he, he just was racing locally through Columbus, Ohio, and the state of Ohio. So he was uh, he was into it. I mean, people love the the race on Sunday, sell on Monday mantra and i would imagine even running a speed shop that's an important component of it right like i'm gonna open a speed shop but now i gotta do a little racing to show people what the aftermarket products can be doing for you oh absolutely and uh they they can do a lot and we we really enjoy that uh being a part of such a neat industry and and getting to drag race like that and i think like the success you go back to you know you know, if you're uh, winning on the racetrack, people yeah. want to buy from you, right? You know? uh, whether it's whether it's 1960, 1970, or 2021, you know, right? People want to buy from winners. So, 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 Jeg Senior, he starts the speed shop in the 60s, starts doing a little racing, and now you guys grow up to 400 or so employees. 
a couple hundred thousand square feet. It's pretty wild. A couple of hundred million dollars in in, <laughs> in 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 total sales annually. Now it's a big business. Well, we're we're very fortunate to have you know excellent people that have been through that company since day one. So uh, our people make this possible. Yeah, we we do a you know for I don't know how many years that we've done like the um, the clubs. The wall. Yeah, we have a wall with twenty year, thirty year, forty year. Now we have a couple fifty year employees. So basically, that you know the um, ownership goes to you know the boys go to their whoever's spouse. It's getting into this whether it's twenty, thirty, or forty, and say what's something that your spouse would like that they wouldn't buy for themselves. <laughs> and uh, and we do this really cool thing at uh, in the race shop uh, Christmas lunch. And uh, and honor the people that get into the twenty year, thirty year, forty year club, um, and it's pretty cool. I mean, it's uh, you know those are obviously the natural leaders in the company, and uh, they've been there. They've they've done all kinds of different positions. Um, you know, I've worked there for twenty three years, so it's um, you know it's one of those days that that uh, you know you you just get to see that it is still a family business. You know, and everybody really does care. Um, yeah, about the about you, and they want you to be happy, and they and they want to say thank you. You know, in a unique way. So, pretty cool. I mean, it's neat to hear people's stories. You know, get up there and you know, different associates. I don't want to say it turns into a a, um, a roast, <laughs> but I think it just kind of depends on what your personality is. <laughs> but it, uh, but it is neat. You know, it is really cool. Anybody that spend that much time at a company is going to have some pretty amazing stories and watching just how yeah. the company's grown, how the company's evolved. And, you know, we've been seeing even the commercials on TV for the longest time and, and being fans of, of, of Jags. Just the idea of mail order parts, even when it just started, that was it. Like, because the speed shops, like, even when I was growing up, we had super shops and a couple things like that where you would you could go and buy some parts, but it still was just largely mail order stuff. It got to be that the retail shops were where you had to go when something broke, <laughs> you know, because shipping back then was kind of slow. So you're like, oh, I'm, I'm down a fuel pump. I have to find a fuel, you know, pump. A, a fuel pump now, a, a holly pump. I've got to get down to like a super shops or something, you know. Uh, and which is funny because you even think of like, oh, what are we going on? Twenty years now for the first Fast and Furious movie, and he worked at the speed shop. And I was like, oh, that's a really nice retail location. I was like, who goes there though? Because it's all in the mail now. Yeah. <laughs> so they they didn't they didn't loop back that in Fast Nine. By the way, they didn't go back to the speed shop when they were shooting their Fiero into space. <laughs> they, they didn't stop at a at a Jags retail location to pick up a fuel pump. <laughs> no, they just got out their handy phone and texted. That's and it. Texted text it. In. Yeah, just That's text it. the order in. Uh, the one thing that has always sort of impressed me was, as you're talking about your grandfather starting the business, uh, getting parts out to enthusiasts and doing some racing. That's really one aspect of the Jags empire that really hasn't changed to me. You know, it's, I mean, the company has grown and it's become, I guess, more financially able to do racing, <laughs> you know, but 
everybody in the family seems like they've done some part of racing, right? Even if it's not in the car, there's always been something behind the scenes in racing. Uh, and has been at the company, done something at the company. So I, I don't know. There's just something that I like about it that keeps it very family-oriented. It's cool. It's a university feel. I mean, heck, there's, there's I want to say there's 12 or 13 of us grandkids, and uh, a majority of them that are a lot younger than me are just starting to beginning their sportsman career in drag racing, and it's really neat to see that because they're into it. They're passionate about it, and it's just uh it's exciting. It's great for the brand and and we would It's great for the business. Way. Absolutely. Thank yeah. God, thank God that uh, a family-owned company such as yours still keeps that going because in this day and age, you know, it's a, it's a dying form and uh to have it be such a passion with you guys as a family-owned company, it's great to see that we will continue to I don't want to say it like this, but regurgitate drivers Absolutely. Know, that are going to carry on the tradition. We we love it. History is is big to us, and we're always you know remembering where we came from, and we're just excited well, to look, be here. I, and I like the parts. authenticity of it. To me, is just is awesome. I like you the work. You can't fake that. No, no, no. I like the work ethic of it too. Out here, their thirty year olds in Los Feliz spend nine dollars <laughs> on a coffee and live with their parents. So, exactly. <laughs> so it's a little, it's a little, it's a little different. Which there's got to be a family member. Which family member is like, screw it, I'm going to go be a dentist. I don't want any part of this. <laughs> there's so much there's so many of us there that's that's a tough question or there's you know they're still young and there's no black sheep nobody fled up. no one's a, an, an actor in new york on broadway not yet <laughs> I, no, <laughs> but not maybe yet. but stay tuned <laughs> yeah. we can be we a wild six, group we got more in the wings so <laughs> there's, there's a lot of kids and grandkids still uh, going yeah, at it and like there. like for me it's funny because it's um you know i've known all these kids since they were born so that's right. Well, you, you and Jackie been we've been childhood, childhood friends since sixth grade, and and uh, you know his his older brothers bought bought us beer when we were in high school. So it's kind of an odd working <laughs> dynamic for me at times. But but now I get like third generation kids like TJ and and uh, and younger that have that have come in my office, shut the door, and uh, and it's and it's kind of funny because it's played out the same almost every time. Every time I'm like, hey, what's the door shut for? Oh, nothing. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, what's up? Yeah, nothing. Yeah, you know, well, what do you think my mom and dad would say about this? <laughs> yeah, you know, and and they all know that. Hey, if you're if you're talking to Uncle Woody, it's safe. It's not going anyplace because you know the conversations that I have with their their parents. It's the same thing. So yeah, well, you just blew it, and you're on a podcast. Yeah, you just yeah. you just yeah, exactly. blew the whole thing now. So. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to Uncle Woody anymore. He's, he's on the podcast. Boy, I got a question for you, man. Uh, you know. I don't know if you've been up on it, but with uh, it's 2021, Simone Biles, you know, the Olympics, uh, stress, mental health. How about for you getting in a car, having so much pressure, representing the family? How do you deal with it? Well, you don't so much as deal with it as you much as you use it. I think you have to you have to really uh, enjoy it because when it's over when you're older and it's all done you're here you want to do it again and you kind of miss it so you know i i enjoy that that's an honor to me so and it's all know. about perspective right absolutely it's all about you know. perspective and and you know living within the six inches in front of your face and living the now so 
what what do you think of the move that Simone Biles made? By the way, just getting into competitive. It's tough, man. I, you know, it's for me. It's really tough because <clears throat> athletes and human beings on every level have dealt with stress since the beginning of competition. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say anything to be the bad guy here by any stretch. People deal with it in different ways, but this is kind of like Tom Brady, you know, bowing out of the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. Well, that that was going to be sort of the analogy I was going to make. Listen, nothing you against know. Simone. Do the right thing for you, but you are on a team. It's not an individual sport, and you're representing your country, and to your point – if you're Tom Brady at the Super Bowl and you just decide to walk off the field because I'm going to go get a hot dog for whatever reason. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And I'm not bashing her by any stretch, man. Everybody's got their own issues. Everybody deals with it a different way. Yeah. And you know, nobody knows what goes on behind the scenes. No, you can't live in somebody else's feet. You know, can't walk around. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's a different time, a different day and age. And it's now a, a thing and it should be brought to the forefront. By all means, but I'm having a little difficulty. I, I don't know. It, it's it's a tough one. The it's gist really of it is is that she's so much better than everybody else. Yep. She you is. Know? She's fantastic. How do, how do you how do you how do you um, you know if you're if you're so called the the best in the world? How do you how do you drive yourself? You know, you, you the only way you drive yourself is to look at what you've done in the past and try and do better. That's it. Yeah. Every day. Every day is a new competition. You know? Yeah. Yeah. When when you're in that realm where she is, where you're so good, you have to invent new moves because nothing is difficult enough for you, right? You nearly – now you have – The double indie just yeah, that's easy. Like, that's right. You know, the, <laughs> that's right. And uh, good reference, by the way. Uh, you have to create moves to up that level. Now, here's a question for you guys. Uh all being professional athletes, NFL and WWE and racing is, do you feel like, I don't blame her for this. I don't really blame anybody for it. But is there a little bit of, she wasn't trained enough, wasn't coached enough. What I mean is part of the competition, maybe 50% of that competition is the mental aspect of it. Did maybe coaches had pushed her physically too much and didn't train her mentally enough to get it, right? Because if you can't, in your head, be prepared for the biggest stage in the world... You can be as good as... You that's can, right. Yeah. You you could be you could be the best gymnast or the best whatever on the planet, and what, what difference does it make, right? 90% of the game's half mental. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's right. You know? Listen, you, you hear about more relatable examples uh going into the ring the first time making a presentation at work the first time something like that singing a song chris loxamana does singing a song for the first time when you go out on stage and there's seven people there you're nervous when there's seventy thousand people there you're nervous and how do you prepare for that the first time you do it the first time you do it the first time you got in a car and ran nervous how is that compared to the first time you got in a car and ran in front of a live audience at an NHRA event? Well, your your brain is so process-oriented. You just got to stick to your process and your routine in the car to make a good competitive lap. And when you get off that, 
the results will show. There you go. A little peek out of the you gas shut mask. Everything and... else out around you. You know, yeah. you, you, it's, it's, you have a process, you have a, a way to go about things. You have a, a way to prepare and that doesn't change. Yeah. You yeah, stick with what you know and your routine, and you just have to remind yourself, I love this. And this is and what I'm I not signed up for. trivializing this by any stretch of the imagination by bringing it up. I'm not. And I'm not saying anything negative about her. It's just nowadays, stress is dealt with a lot differently by professional athletes than back in the day. It, you know, it's, it is what well, it is. It's I, the sign I, of the time. Arguably, the stage is bigger between. YouTube and social media and the internet and you know there there are sports that you've never even seen or heard of before but now they're all over the place online. I mean we're not talking about you know ESPN the Ocho watching you know professional darts like professional we're talking cornhole yeah right yeah, you they, can't they do that too. without millions of people seeing it no matter what it is. yeah uh, I mean even even this year in the Olympics all the new sports which are exciting to see. Uh, you know, uh, skating and surfing, yeah. and I don't know what the three by three basketball is. Yeah, Although, not all yeah. of them. That I think, falls in the not all of them category. I, there was a funny meme that popped up and said, uh, I can't believe the U.S. got, I think, bronze in skating. And then somebody else said, The real difficulty was finding a skater that passed the drug test. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so in the in the in the racing world, let's talk about the status of NHRA. Where are we with NHRA? Did do you feel like motorsports in general, or NHRA, or drag racing specifically, took a hit during the pandemic? Is it is it going to come back a hundred percent? You know, I I was so focused on driving. I that, that's a tough one, but I, I don't think they. In my opinion, I don't think they took a huge hit. I mean, it's an outdoor sport that's loud. It's it's very sensory, and I think when they we got turned back on at at Indy, I think we had a pretty decent crowd come, and it was safe. And I think they've done a great job putting on races through the transition. Did they change anything? Did, you know, because COVID gave obviously it, it was a, a a very bad situation for people to go through. But it also gave people uh, an opportunity to reinvent. So was there anything positively done with NHRA uh, to prepare for getting the people back and making it a bigger and badder, you know, Um, event? Yeah, I would say, you know, really the biggest thing was, you know, they – okay, if you rewind back a little bit, you know, the, the business model for NHRA relies pretty heavy on ticket sales. Just like it would for WWE, you know. I mean, if nobody's there, you know, how are they paying the the costs? How are they doing the payout? How how are they doing all that? Um, you know, they when the states in a, and that's you know, um, you know, it was all individual things. So it wasn't like one rule across the board. You know, NHRA had ten guys that were working on this stuff all the time, location by location, and keeping up to date on whatever changes that were made and how it's going to affect the fan experience. Um, at the end of the day, I, you know, the last couple races that we've had this year have been, they've been pretty strong. I mean, the fans have come back in, in big numbers. Um, this weekend in Sonoma was, I mean, it was awesome. That place is big and it was, it was full. 
you know. Well, and it's a big difference between, you know, we raced in Indy, you know, three, four times last year in an effort to look at the cost for the race teams. Like, you know, you're depending on what race team you were, how your deal worked out, how your sponsorship deals are, you know, you might have a clause in there that says you have so many races. Well, shit, we got a problem. <laughs> yeah, right. We need to get some more races. So um, between the teams, between uh, between the owners, between the drivers, between the, the group at Pro, um, you know, we, we kind of came up with, a, with what we all thought was a fair – adjusted um payout but at the same time we also adjusted our costs by you know not having as many qualifying runs right um and i guess that that was really kind of the thinking outside of the box thing you know that that you just kind of you got to look in it's almost like you're in survival mode that's how i looked at it last year was you know i mean all of our calendars it doesn't matter who you were if you started writing in pen you were screwed (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) right um but you just you know you just have to look at the situation and make the best decision that you can and and uh, you know i know the leadership at nhra it was very very important for them to make sure that the health of the sport continues so they are likely, uh, you know, erring on the side of caution financially to get to get payouts back to where they originally were, um, as we like to refer to the the 2019 payout. Yeah. Well, as a so. fan, uh, I'm very appreciative you guys are back and so strong, and um, it's been a pleasure, gentlemen. I got to exit us, and uh, good luck, Troy. Thank Kicks you, Matt. Yes, sir. Keep it going. Likewise, there in the ring. I will do my best. Y'all gentlemen, be wonderful this afternoon and uh, speak with you soon. All right. Good. Thanks, Bill. Take care. See you. He's going to go eat $700 worth of sushi. Uh, it's his lunch. <laughs> How many calories is that? I don't know, but I like, – what, what was the hot dog thing with Joey Jaws? He ate 76 yeah. hot dogs. It was like 20, 22,000 calories I, or something. He, he's going to sit down and eat a tomahawk. Like <laughs> – Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I can yeah. see that. Although his son Gage now sat down and ate a tomahawk with him as well. Gage is an incredible athlete, How old baseball is he? player. Fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, baseball and, and, and football. He's really into baseball right now, and he's he's just he crushes it. He's a. Uh, anyway, so they're they're eating the same meals these days, those two. <laughs> I don't know what that costs, but I don't know how Wanda makes it when oh, she does. Man. But uh, uh, anyway, so the NHRA. Uh, the drag racing, right? Sort of, sort of the business side of it, the political side of it, things that you've been involved with, Woody, for a long time. Did, did the pandemic sort of, you know, you're talking about how do you be sensitive about money and how do we do races and let sponsors, you know, how do we make good on them that are it's out of our control? And on some level, they can go and go, hey, contract's a contract. You owe me some money. Or they can go, how do we, how do we make something work on it, right? And I would imagine it's tough to get everybody on the same page, right? If you're an overall sponsor, I don't know, a Mellow Yellow or something, or, you know, they could say, you promised me TV coverage, you've got no TV coverage. We understand it's out of your control, but... It's in black and white. Yeah, that's right, but it's there, you know? It's, it's, you know, it's out here. It's like everybody's got to pay rent on their business or whatever, but the landlord's like, well... You promise to pay rent just because you don't have money doesn't mean you don't have to pay. 
you have a contract and I have a mortgage, so I owe people money. So unless everybody agrees that nobody's going to pay anybody yeah. any money, like it's going to be a bump in the road. Someplace. That's right. Someone yeah. at the end of the line is going to go, "Well, nah, I, don't I want, think so, I want man. my money, right?" So otherwise, it gets kind of uh, you know. You're right. You can't have like every thing has to line up. Otherwise, that one that one company person or whatever is going to. You're right. It's going to be the bump in the road. So how does it sounds like? Somehow it kind of worked out, but did it also give, I don't know, the teams or NHRA or the sponsors or anybody an opportunity to say, okay, let's rethink about how we could repackage or represent drag racing? What are we doing online? What are we doing offline? What are we doing for fan experiences? Like, how do we want to make this work? Because even when this COVID thing is done, there could be another. There's there's a Delta variant. Mm-hmm. Like who knows what that's going to do? Like, and and listen, I'm not talking about anyone's personal beliefs or whatever. Vaccines, no, this, facts. that. It's yeah. just the facts are at Something some else point. At some point, the, the government or somebody is going to say we can't do the live events or the live events going to be half the people or whatever. It doesn't matter what you think is yeah. right or wrong behind it. It's just, they're going to crack down and go, that's it. You know, like restaurants, 50% capacity. You got to sit outside, right? Yeah. So the live events. So was there an opportunity to say, this is what the future of drag racing is going to be. Maybe it's been talked about for five or six years, but now you're forcing into it quicker. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, they're, they're, um, you know, you know, it, it, you looked at a lot of the areas where you could, where you were spending, mm-hmm. and whether you're the sanctioning body or a race team, and you're like, mm, do we? Is it? You know, I go back to Jeg Senior. Your grandfather always said, his his, uh, you know, just one of those questions is, is it nice or necessary? <laughs> yeah, yeah that's one that, that kind of it sticks in the back yeah. of your head. It's like, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's yeah, nice. Right. Do we need it? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there was a there was a lot of that. Um, I just uh, I, I think it, the power of social social media is pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got to keep your keep your drivers out there. You've got to keep your sponsors out there. Um, you know, NHRA did a great job. You know, doing what you would say make, making whole on things, or you know, if they felt like they wanted to give you, they wanted to exceed your expectations. Right. So, you know, I know that there were a couple things that that we did last year that were kind of makeups on part of contracts that couldn't happen, which I thought was nice. Um, you know, that same <clears throat> same mentality. Like I can go back. There's a couple tracks that we have signage with that literally, you know, I paid the signage at the beginning of the year. Or Jags paid the signage at the beginning of the year, and at the end of the year, I get this adjusted invoice that I have a credit based on how many days of racing that they had. Yeah. Now, my personal belief is that that's not our fault. That's not your fault. It's good. Yeah. You know, um, it's a risk of doing business. You know, if you're the yeah. racetrack, I don't think the racetrack should say, hey, wow, we only had 30 days of racing last year. And, you know, um, here's 90% of what you paid us back, you know? Yeah. I, I just, I have a problem with that personally. So I just don't keep it, but. Okay. I mean, that's good, especially. You know, because I think, the, I think if you don't have racetracks, you don't have a sport. If you don't. That's right. And they know, need it and you they, want them to survive. So yeah. that's good. But look, I mean, 
everybody goes into this cost-cutting mode because revenue is down. But there's a few instances. Oh, that's when you spend money on marketing. <laughs> that's right. You're, that's right. Well, listen, it, the the drag racing revenue is down, but the parts business revenue is up because everyone's at home and they're buying parts. But uh, an example would be like we go to a lot of the car auctions. Adam Kroll and I, we love going to the car auctions, Gooding and RM and Bonhams and Bear Jackson and all of these things. I talked to all of them and said, how's business? How to survive? What are you guys doing? And every one of them said, they said, listen, (laughs) they did. They said, we always thought about moving more of an online model, moving toward an online model. We still want to do our live events, but we felt like we can do more events during the year if we did online only. And they said the pandemic just sped up their timeline on that and they ended up doing more business there everybody in the auction world had their biggest year ever right so so did the parts you said listen (laughs) i i uh i i mean i'm not trying to make anybody feel badly because not all businesses are the same but that's just the way economics work some things go down some things go up and in the aftermarket parts world a lot about what we talk about here there were a lot of people that were at home or working from home and just had a little bit more free time. Just think about the commute some people make, you know, mm-hmm. two, three hours a day uh, on a commute. And now you're like, I don't have to commute. I still work the same amount, but now I can go into the garage for an hour or two and do some stuff on my car or whatever. So, I, you know, the guys I talk to in exhaust companies and the giant roll-ups like the Hollies of the world, Holly – we're not even letting the the cat out of the bag because they're going public. They're basically yeah. doing a direct listing, and they just said straight up, "We did five hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah. Our sales were up twenty five percent this Mic year." Drop. Oh, and by the way, we're going public. <laughs> That's right, and we're going public at a one point five five billion dollar valuation. And uh, and you know they're like, "Thank you, Yahoo News. Yes. We'll see you on the uh-huh. Nasdaq." Yeah. And and you know, great for them. But people are like, "How could sales be up?" It's like, I don't know, man. We got those. We got those stimulus checks rolling yeah. in by an EFI system. A lot of them. factors. <laughs> There's a few things going in there. So uh, I just thought, what as drag racing as everyone involved, especially the sanctioning bodies, NHRA, going, hey, we need to cut costs. We need to make good where we can make good. But how do we save costs? But what sort of discussions, if any, did they put out to all the teams and said? Maybe this is a good idea, a good a good time for us to have a discussion on how we can pivot. What's going to be the next five years or ten years of drag racing? Well, I know that you know bringing down the costs for the teams is a big thing, um, and part of that is technical related, um, which is the part that the teams traditionally don't like. Meaning, ownership group likes it because they like the fact that. Let's not spend as much money on yeah. R and D. Yeah, but the, the sanctioning body wants to kind of keep you in a box, and and a lot of a lot of people might view that as a negative. But in fact, I mean, what they're trying to do is to keep us from outspending ourselves. Right, but we all love a big smoky burnout like Shy Town Hustler halfway down the strip, and then everybody else is going, "Yeah, but it burns up clutches, and those are yeah. expensive." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely does. Well, I know, like the like the the Hemi's, the big uh, thirty eight pound A automatics. You know, mm-hmm. 
you know, they used to just do huge wheelies, and they were like yeah. the star of the show. Well, now they all figured out that uh, we probably shouldn't do as big a wheelie. We'll lunge forward. We'll actually have a better ET. That's right. So they really need to put like a beam up there that if they don't hit like 18 inches. That's it, right. It's, That's it's what they should light. do, You're right? Done. Like now we need a little bit of like nitro circus happening at NHRA. Hey, I, 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 I tried. I tried, uh, and I'm I'm still not totally done, but to – you know, I think at the end of qualifying, it would be really interesting. And I should this would would have been good for Goldberg, but um, at the end of qualifying, fourth qualifying session, you know, you get all sixteen drivers up there, mm-hmm. and there's no ladder. You know, you just hand the mic to the number one guy and say, "Who do you want to race?" That's right. You know, and you're just all up on the stage, yeah. yeah. And you you have a camera on one side of the stage, and a camera on the other. And the first camera guy, as he walks down and says, "Hey, how do you feel about?" so-and-so well, i picked him because i could beat him you know that's well, right. how do you feel about so-and-so picking you <laughs> i'm gonna beat him well listen you no know? doubt there's a lot of personalities uh, among the teams and drivers come out. and and i'm a fan of that i think there should be anytime you have a fan base sport there needs to be some sort of fan interaction some sort of like uh you know user you know sort of a, a viewer's choice award type of scenario right this is why people are so addicted to reality shows uh racing is so cool to see because it's so i mean it's just it's so in your face and we're seeing these wild and crazy numbers so just before the pandemic bill and i had pushed for people to go to live events it's like you gotta feel see smell live events so we reached out to our friends in in the racing world and we gave away tickets to nascar we gave away tickets to nhra and we gave away tickets to uh indycar up at uh, laguna seca uh and and then we reached out to some of the fans we gave tickets to and said you now you got to call into the show and you're going to do the recap you're going to tell us about it people like i got with my dad hadn't seen him in years we did a road trip and we went to indy we met these guys and we talked to graham ray hall and simon pagino and then you know with you guys are like oh "Oh, we went out we went out to nhra and we we found your buddy woody and he showed us us a trailer yeah it was awesome (laughs) we had a great time and and i said you got to be able to go and feel that so i want to be able to do that uh, again but uh doing something more like what you're talking about great idea um and then just the evolution of things when are we going to see electric cars on the big stage when are you going to switch troy to an electric pro stock car gee i don't i don't know about that one i really Listen, like I, making noise I, and i'm a big fan of making all the noise that's part of the impact of it but what does nhra think is going to happen in 10 years that's a that's a great question, but there are electric cars out there in competition. I know Junior Dragsters. Uh, something we recently did was was take on an electric Junior Dragster. My mm-hmm. grandfather uh, and a couple guys from I believe Texas. They just put together a Junior Dragster. It's electric that you can buy one car and have this one motor your whole entire career, which from age in five essence, to 16. saves money. Yeah, yeah. you can. And I it's mean, neat how it works. It's wild. You know, on, hey, and I raced one of the kids one yeah. <laughs> in my rental car at yeah. a test session. <laughs> Your Mike's son. Car. Oh man, I was in this Toyota Camry, and I should have. I should forward you the video. <laughs> I did. I did put tape over the plate. Um, <laughs> but I went now. out there and I said, "I said, hey Clay, let's race." And he's yeah. like, "Why? Well, you don't have a race car?" I'm like, "I got this rental car." 
It's like, you don't have a helmet. And I said, I'll get one from the tower. They'll be good. They'll be good. And uh, here here I am in my Toyota Corolla rental car from ABC Rental Company. <laughs> and uh, and he's in his Jags Electric Junior. And we left together. He went by me at 300 feet like I was standing still. <laughs> and he spotted me on the next run yeah, to 3.30. Say, and he still kicked me. <laughs> it might have had a little bit more amps and voltage. Yeah. A little bit more. Yeah. Little but bit. it was – I mean, I was – you know, I was blown away. I mean, yeah. I just was like, you know, like, you know, if you've ridden in a Tesla or some other electric car, I mean, it's um, it's an interesting feeling. Like for me, I felt you felt like you feel like unbelievable acceleration, not unbelievable, but pretty solid acceleration. And you're not hearing any tires. You're not hearing yeah. any RPM. You're not hearing gear. Ch- you're, it's just quiet. I, I get it. And it's, your body's like, different. what is going on? Yeah. You're you're moving faster than you're than you're sounding. You know. I've equated the electric car feeling to uh, kind of a roller coaster, and that mm-hmm. it's no longer about creating power to move the car. You know, because the car is going faster as you're making more power. The electric motor makes all of its power, so all it's doing is moving weight, right? So it's just how quickly can you get that weight to start to move? Inertia. But look, I mean, pardon the pun, but Ford's making a little bit of noise with their all-electric Cobra Jet. You know, they're going out there doing some fun stuff, some exhibition, riding wheelies in that damn thing, and uh, yeah, it's Tony just, Tony Stewart will be in it just, this weekend in Pomona. <laughs> it's just whistling down the, uh, you know, and it's fast, and it's fast, right? Yeah, I don't know what it's running now, eights or something, right? It's, it's, it's I don't think it's allowed to run eights, but it can. <laughs> yeah, but it's that way. Say eight twenty. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, remember, you're telling me I know you're impressive. going a hell of a lot faster than that. But it's sevens, but whatever but that you, they can't run. But uh, you know, you'd like to drive uh, that damn thing. Oh, absolutely! Just to just to see what's going on in there, right? Why not? Why not? You know, you you can't be scared. <laughs> jump in. That's good. Just jump in and see what's going Seat on. Belts are adjustable, and they make fire suits in all sizes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he loves saying that. <laughs> but like you, you know, you go back. You know, we're trying to prepare as a company for. You know this this increase in EV. You know where do we fit yeah. in? What can you do to a car? What you know? Um, you know the business at Jags. I'd say less than fifteen percent of our business is racing related, but that's the part that we're no, known the most for. You right. Know? Um, you know the business is street performance, and and uh, you know it doesn't matter whether it's gas or electric. You know you're always going to want to perform a little better and be able to go faster than the guy that you line up next that you stop next to at a stoplight you know yeah you know and before we wrap it up let's talk about that we um jags has expanded into restoration parts a lot of the sheet metal parts i yep. saw yep. saw that that's kind of cool i had a conversation with a guy that owns a big suspension company probably eight years ago and he said, oh, you've been doing the show for a while. You drive all these cars. You talk to all these people. What do you think is going to be the future of the performance aftermarket? It's a SEMA board member. you know." And I said, you know, thinking about your company specifically, your industry, I said, I don't think you're just going to be making springs and sway bars and stuff. I think – the next – your phase one, your phase two, phase three suspension kit, phase one is going to be a handheld tuner. 
and you're going to plug that in and it's going to change the suspension, right? And then phase two is going to be a tuner with springs or sway bars or something, right? And then oh, yeah. you're going to go from there. But that's where it's going to be is all of these aftermarket companies that that you just think, oh, we're working out a foundry and we're pouring molten aluminum and yeah. we're making – like, no, it's – going to be programmers you're going to be sitting behind that's right you're going to be sitting behind uh, a computer working on the programming of it right even now i mean the past several years or so eight or ten years as we started getting more complex cars on the road uh dodge very famously you know sort of the last to be able to get aftermarket superchargers for their cars because people weren't cracking the code for the ECU. Yeah. I mean, you know, you talk to any Whipple, Pro Charger, Vortex, they're like, we can put a blower on anything yeah. if we can get it tuned. And for the longest time, they're like, every Camaro Mustang can have a blower on it because we can crack that code. And it took like three years before. And it was a weird thing because the big companies like Dodge at the time are saying, well, we don't want you screwing yeah. with our car. But then they realized that is part of the selling part model. Part of the culture. Right? And – so everybody shifted back. They started to look at like Chevy's performance parts catalog, Ford's performance parts catalog, oh, yeah. going, oh, those are billion-dollar businesses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're yeah. like, maybe we should go ahead and open this up and say, hey, we, we do invite. And what did, that, what did that get us? That got us new cars. I just bought the Mustang Mach 1. I yep, told you about yep, it. You saw yep. it. I just picked it up on Friday. These are brand new cars that have adjustable steering, adjustable exhaust, adjustable suspension. It has launch control, drag race control. It has a two-step rev limiter. It's got a Christmas tree on the dash. It's got everything you need. That's it. Well, but you would have never thought to flip into the manual and go – this is a track-based car. So when you go to the track, lower the tire pressure to yeah. 28 degrees, switch the oil, set your camber to 1.5 degrees. Yeah. They're like, oh, it's telling me to beat on the car. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's a manual it's... from the manufacturer's going, you should beat on this car. That's right. And, and I, like, I can Ooh. take it. I was I like, I like, I like that. I like that. It was like, you told me to do it. You said <laughs> you sent me a book and told me I yeah. should do it. So go do it. Yeah, you should I've go got do a, it. I, I uh, picked up a Cadillac CT, CT4V. About six months ago. And, oh, the uh, old man's hot rod. It's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, it's got you just. It's got all kinds of settings in there. Yeah. I was waiting for my daughter. I didn't realize this either. <laughs> waiting for my daughter to get out of skating, um, and I was like looking through this thing, and you know, I was yeah. My, basically, because my wife figured out that it could give you massage. When uh, yeah, you're going down the road, it's the best. Yeah, so <laughs> so I was like, oh, I wonder what else this thing does. And I'm going through this. I'm seeing all this preset v mode and yeah you know it's telling me you know all the different shock settings it's got steering steering sensitivity brake sensitivity I'm like sweet yeah that's cool yeah that's impressive yeah and like I'm, you said we'll get to that point with cars you know what i mean we we're, we're more just... and more cars you know i mean you look at i racing and and the in the gaming world i mean people are not afraid of a keyboard like they used to be digital mm-hmm. graphics and yeah it's you an know, impressive industry to tune something and figure out different setups that you need in yeah. racing i mean that's as real as it gets are are your race cars fuel injected yet oh yeah, yeah. okay Most so now are. now you got to bang away on the laptop to get, to get it going right oh yeah. absolutely oh, yeah. it's very yeah. tedious too the smallest adjustments make the biggest difference and you'll we'll put a different manifold you know typically we keep the manifold together with the fuel system um, 
but even you know when you change engines you're just a little bit you know like when we have a right. new, new engine we we ideally would like to go testing someplace before <laughs> yeah that's expensive. So we don't sound like we're shooting ducks in the that's staging right. lanes trying to start our car and <laughs> but that was funny i mean it, it wasn't funny but the whole efi thing switching from carburetors to efi was you know carburetors at the end of the day, you know, it's kind of a voodoo science. You'd like to think that you know everything. Oh, that's yeah. Going you go outside, you're sniffing the air, yeah, you're licking yeah, your thumb, yeah. you're watching the wind, you're licking the pavement, going, eh, there's a little bit of moisture in the yeah, air. Yeah. There's a little <laughs> bit more of a fudge factor with the carburetor <laughs> yeah. than there is with the EFI. Yeah. You're telling it exactly what to do, exactly when to do it, and how long to do it for. Yeah. So it's, um, it's pretty interesting. I mean, it's, it's definitely a tuner's game. Um, you know, well, what was the result with EFI? Were you going faster? Were you going more reliably? There's got to be some noticeable difference switching to EFI. The drivability is amazing. I mean, you can't, you know. Drivability, it's, you're in the car for five seconds. I mean, as far as <laughs> moving forward and, you know. you got to get over the habit of just not pumping the gas pedal when you yeah, start. Yeah. You know? yeah, that's it's right. extremely hard to stall it. Uh, it sounds amazing. I mean, if if yeah. you're walking the pits at a, an HRA race, you got to go over to the pro stock pits because just the idle of a pro stock car and make your hair stand up. I mean, it's right. It's so smooth. Right now, you can set it. You're like, this is where I want the cold start idle. This is how I want things to happen in the car. You're right. If if it drops for certain alert, certain RPM, it it thinks it's stalling. It compensates. Like, yeah, it's pretty smart. Yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's neat. Uh, the guy that tunes with us. Uh, for us at Elite Motorsports, Jake, he's he's really talented with these things and has put a lot of time and effort and energy into it, and we're glad to have him. Yeah. Now, do you just go to Holly and slap on an $1,800 Dominator system, or do they sell you one that's $35,000? Uh, <laughs> I don't know how much one is. It's a spec system. Yeah. I know that. It's got a part number. It's, it's like an early the, 80s EFI. The Holly something. part number that's I mean, got the six digits. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they purposely made that. You know, they wanted everybody to have the same EFI box <clears throat> and have the same tunability, um, which was probably a good call. It ships if they today. Had, if they had everybody, like, different boxes, different yeah, manufacturers, right, right. people would figure out how to get in there and do whatever. But I, I get it. I mean, everybody wants to push the limits. Like, the rules are in place for parity, and then everybody tries to push as far as they can. And then, you know – then there's a little bit of luck and a lot of driver that's going on. Oh, there, they've done it. it. They've done a lot of things over the last couple of years to our class pro stock specifically. You know, we've gone from unlimited RPM to ten to five. Ten five. So, I mean, that was a big change. Mm-hmm. And that the the thought there was to save us about a quarter of a million a year on on valve springs. <laughs> oh, there <laughs> and you it, go. it has. <laughs> oh, there you go. So, so I guess going from eleven seven to to ten ten five is good, um, but it's just different, you know. I mean, just EFI, just all that stuff. The the rules. It's definitely more of a driver's, the driver tuner car clutch suspend. I mean, it's all got to be right. I mean, everybody's that tight. A lot yeah. has to go right. I mean, you run it up on the limiter long, and you're losing a bunch of momentum. If you short stick it, you're you're not putting all your power down. So. You gotta know, you know how how you shift and and program your shift lights to yeah to match match that and make good runs. Yeah, 
All right. Well, then on that note, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. Guys, thank you so much for coming in. Um, definitely check out jegs.com. You're going to be uh, shopping for uh, for parts or anything, anything from cleaning products to you know superchargers and whatnot. Go to jegs.com. You guys know I've been a big fan for years. I got their stuff all over my place. And uh, check out teamjegs.com. You want to read up on the team. You want to see the family tree that's like three pages online, and you'll you'll see it. There's It's like a wall of mug shots up there. You should check that out. It. It's fantastic. And uh, uh, – for the uh, for the racing guys, it's uh, it's it's Team Jags on Twitter and Facebook dot com slash Team Jags. Troy, where are you on social media? Uh, I'm mainly on Instagram uh, at Troy Coughlin Junior three nine four, and uh, on Twitter some as well, and uh, a little bit of Facebook here and there. But I'm, I'm an Instagram guy. Follow him on uh, on Instagram and uh, keep up to date on what's going on. And uh, listen, guys, if you guys get a chance, go out, see some racing. If you get a chance to see some drag racing, that's fantastic. But if you don't make it out there, go see some racing. Hopefully, we'll see you guys at Long Beach Grand Prix. That's a cool event we have out here. It's moved to September. I don't know what it's going to do. It's going to be interesting instead of April. But, uh, and, you know, hopefully... Uh, our state lets us do that event because they're going to be pissed if they had a – be a second year. Right? Yeah, yeah. They'd be like, what? Have we moved it? I saw somebody posting pictures the other day. I think yeah. Annie Prophet was like, hey, they're starting on the track. Yeah. Uh, so good luck in uh, in Pomona. That's coming up this weekend a couple of days from now. So if you're here, uh, you're local, you're making a trip out to California, uh, just going on to Pomona. Go out to the drag strip out there. Get tickets out the door. Go say hi to these guys. Come on. The uh, every every ticket's a pit pass. Is that still true? That's, That's right. still true. Definitely every true. ticket's a pit pass. If you guys want to swing on over, just start screaming, Woody, Troy, Woody, Troy. Eventually Perfect. they'll come out of their they'll come out of their trailer. <laughs> and, and, or somebody will come uh, get us. Somebody will come like, What are you yelling about out here? <laughs> you got you got some fans out here. Yeah. And uh, and you gotta you gotta you got to stick around for when they fire up these things uh, in the pits, and uh, it's just it's uh, it's incredible. Uh, so hopefully you guys will be able to check that out. What else we got? Uh, follow me at Motorator on social media. I got some new pictures of the new car. We got some all kinds of fun stuff up there, and uh, our buddy Goldberg, of course, he's at uh, Goldberg nine five and Goldberg's Garage on Instagram, and uh, tune into a little bit WWE coming up SummerSlam. The old man's getting in the ring. That's right. <laughs> he always gets hurt. <laughs> oh, oh. He's Nothing got, that ice and bend can't you, fix. I, I, listen, as a guy that races for a living, there's there's no eighty percent. There's no like, no. oh, I'm just gonna, no. you know, I'm just gonna bring it. it Once, is a hundred percent. You're all in. Every like, I've traveled with him. We were in like roadkill nights, and we were there like a Friday and Saturday. And he had a wrestle on Sunday, and you know WWE knew about it. They're like, "Oh, you got to do the event. You got to catch a private plane. You got to fly out there." And he's just like, "I got to go. I'm nervous. I got to wrestle in 12 hours." And he was just so nervous about it. I was like, "You've been doing this for a minute," but he's like, "I know. I just don't want. I gotta. I don't want to let anybody down. I got to bring it hard in the ring." And I was just like, "Go, go do whatever. It's fine with me. I'm gonna go home." <laughs> and, <laughs> and watch. Uh, that's right. I'm gonna watch it on TV, but. Uh, it's it's good. I'm telling you, he'll 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 break an arm or tear a muscle, and he Ugh. won't say anything until long after that match is done. That's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's like you didn't hurt me. That's that's right. It's fine. It's all fine. And then to get back. He's like, oh my god, I couldn't I couldn't imagine <laughs> my arm. My arm. <laughs> no, he's he's done it. I was like, so how was your big comeback? He's like, most painful six months of my life. 
<laughs> never doing it again. Yeah. Of course. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then he's got a three-year contract. Um, but uh, all right, guys, thank you so much. Until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com.